Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our reactions to the Los Angeles Lakers winning the NBA championship last night against the Miami Heat. So, Jalen, I have to ask, what are some of your initial reactions to the Lakers winning their 17th championship? Well, I guess the first thing is, like, shout-out to them, for real. I mean, this is what I would say is arguably arguably one of the most difficult championships to win, whether someone likes to um, admit it or not. Um, the circumstances were stacked up against every single team. Nobody had different circumstances than the other. You can count injuries if you'd like to. You can say that the Lakers dodged the smoke of the Clippers, but the Clippers had a lot of fault to do with why that smoke was dodged. Um the Lakers handled the entire playoffs in like basically a, in cleanup fashion, only lost one game in every series up until the finals. And they only lost two games in the finals. Game six was commanding. Uh, the conversation I had with my friends last night was like, dude, that was probably one of the most anticlimactic game sixes in the finals I've ever seen. And like, we've seen golden state go up against weak LeBron James led Cleveland Cavaliers teams four years in a row and outside of one year where they came down from three one every every championship that golden state warriors won felt and kind of was done handily so i mean the lakers earned it whether somebody wants to put an asterisk next to it or not that's something we'll probably get into a little bit later but i mean first thing is like uh cap off to them second thing is like lebron james with the finals mvp um i think AD was one strong game three away from being the one who won it. I think that output in game three where Jimmy Butler went off and and in conjunction, AD only had 15 points and dang near fouled out. I think that's what hurt his case. But I think LeBron James earned it regardless because I felt like his entire stretch throughout the playoffs is what put him in the position to be finals MVP in the first place. So, I mean, pretty much just how hats off to both teams, the Heat, overcame um, the expectations that uh, pretty much everybody had set for this team this year. So they were definitely no slouch, and they showed us the the heart of a champion, so to speak, in game six, or more so in game five, really. Game six, you could see that that heart of a champion took everything out of them, and that's kind of why the game went away the way it did. So, yeah, heads off to the team in general in terms of the Lakers. Man, been a ride, dude. It's been a ride. I will say that this was one of my favorite NBA seasons ever. This was a phenomenal season from start to finish. And given the circumstances, this definitely was a difficult championship to win. Shout out to the Miami Heat and congratulations to the Miami Heat for making it this far. They definitely have a solid young supporting cast with Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, and Bam Adebayo. They have their franchise star now with Jimmy Butler. I think the other thing that I realized with Miami is that I think that they have a chance to run it back. I think that this team was really talented this year and they came out of nowhere, considering the fact that before the season they weren't even slated to make the playoffs, let alone the finals. They've overcome a lot of great teams, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics, 
two of those teams. They almost came away with a 3-1 comeback to the Los Angeles Lakers if if they didn't play as bad as they did in the second quarter. They were outscored 36-16 to in the second quarter of game six. But I think outside of that, if they can find one more star, I think they have a chance to run it back. Obviously, it's difficult next year considering that Kevin Durant is going to join the Brooklyn Nets. He's going to be healthy, and Kyrie Irving's going to be healthy. And, of course, Boston's a threat. Toronto's always going to be a threat. I think there's a chance that Milwaukee could possibly make the conference finals again. Honestly, though, I feel like Miami definitely has a chance to run it back. I think with the Lakers, and I'm going to say this again, this was all LeBron and Anthony Davis. I think that if it wasn't for LeBron and AD, Colin Cowherd made a great point. This is pretty much the 2018 New Orleans Pelicans, except that Drew Holiday is not a Los Angeles Laker. I will give credit where credit is due to LeBron James because he had a phenomenal season. I also think that Danny Green came out and he had a good performance in game six after missing the wide-open game-winning shot in game five. I think this was a phenomenal season. Game six was definitely anticlimactic, but hats off to the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, I think the other big thing to kind of note off is for both of these teams, both of their star players had some type of, uh, I guess, underrated storyline attached to them that I think a lot of people are sweeping under the rug now that they look wrong, but needs to be brought back to light. When LeBron James chose um, to go to the Los Angeles Lakers, the narrative that a lot of people were throwing out was this is his version of the Michael Jordan Wizards years where he's just going to LA to party and be a movie star. And that first season where they did not make the playoffs with the young team, everybody leaned on that and said, see, he's so worried about making space jam two that he can't even propel this young budding team to the, to even make the playoffs. Now that he's in the Western conference on the opposite end, similar things were made, a muck about Jimmy Butler, who was going to South Beach and the the vibe and everything that was surrounded about that. And there was a lot of murmuring about the fact that he was leaving a championship situation. Well, I made this comment on the HMO podcast with the homies this past weekend. And Ryan, I want to bring it to your attention now. I think the funny thing about uh, about comparing LeBron James and Jimmy Butler is that they have one thing in common. I, I, I understand that the caliber of player that the two are is significantly different, but there's one thing that they have in common that can't be overlooked. They both have made the teams that they have joined better, and in a way that when they leave said team, that team gets significant, significantly worse. The, my Chicago Bulls have basically not even slit, sniffed the playoffs since Jimmy Butler left. The Timberwolves have struggled in the time that Jimmy Butler is left to the point that they haven't even been, they've been in more of a contention for the number one overall pick like they have this year than they ever had for a playoff seed over the last year and a half to two years. And the Philadelphia 76ers were just as dysfunctional in the front office and as a roster as Jimmy Butler said they were. And they were a team that struggled down the stretch and didn't really even put up much of a fight come playoff time. Granted, maybe that had a little bit to do with injury, but I also feel like they had to do a lot with discipline for the top stars that they had on their team. Jimmy Butler has pretty much left all those teams. And when he was there, they were playoff hunting in the mix and potentially had championship aspirations. When he's not on their team, they're teams that 
Their front office is trying to figure out how in the world do we turn this around. And I think Jimmy Butler's LeBron James effect is something that needs to be given a little bit more light because he is that caliber of a player. I think he has used this NBA Finals trip as a way to ascend himself into what I think personally makes him a top 10 player in the league now. Something that I don't think a lot of us were saying coming into this season or even coming into this play on um, to these playoffs. So um yeah, I mean I think it's huge. I think the the right the route that we should go now though, Ryan, is we know what comes next. It's only been about 24 hours since the championship, but the LeBron James haters are coming out the woodworks with their with their Michael Jordan jerseys. And everybody is sitting there walking around looking at the fact that LeBron James has four titles, but he did it against a, a weakened Trailblazers team that had to basically play all their playoff games before the postseason even started. They dodged the Clippers, so to speak. They put themselves in a position where they played probably one of the most underrated or off the radar teams in the East in terms of what we thought was star powered uh, tit for tat. And you got to throw in the fact that it was the bubble. So, Ryan, let's just answer the question flat out that we know everybody's going to be throwing out at least over the next couple of days. Is there an asterisk next to the championship for the 2020 season? Before I answer that question, I do have to say we need to put respect on Jimmy Butler because, again, that was a phenomenal performance he put on the bubble and in the championship. He's definitely a leader in my eyes. To answer your other question, this season, like I said, was one of the best seasons I've ever seen. Therefore, I don't think it deserves an asterisk. I think given the circumstances, if coronavirus did not affect the season, I would not see the need for an asterisk to be present. If it was a lockout season, like it was in similar in uh, previous instances, I would say yes, there should be an asterisk there. And this season, they played a good amount of games to not present the argument for an asterisk. I think, like you said in previous instances, Jalen, this has been one of the most challenging seasons in the history of the NBA, maybe the most difficult path to the NBA Finals. I think that, yes, given the circumstances of coronavirus, it could have changed things, but I feel like because there was a bubble created, by Adam Silver, that definitely eliminated those doubts about how this season would go about. I think because of the bubble, it presented a new opportunity to see players in a different environment with no fans, how they would perform under pressure considering that they don't even have to travel. They're just in the same location. I think that this season does not deserve an asterisk. I mean, I completely agree with you, but I think I'm going to take it like another level in terms of why I feel as though that's the case. I think the first thing is that everybody was under similar circumstances. I mean, let's just, let's just put it, you know, straightforward. Let's talk about it for like face value. Everybody who was a playoff caliber team face the circumstances of being in that bubble. There was a lot of talk about the mental strain of being in that environment over the course of a hundred days. Shout out to Malika Andrews, who was there for every day of it, covering the entire thing. I mean, we're talking about circumstances that were rough on everybody. 
and there shouldn't be any pointing of the fingers as to teams that may not have made the finals or may not have put up the kind of fight we assumed, like the LA Clippers, for example, because of a shortened season or because of any bubble or any thing of that nature. The other thing is, I understand that a lot of people are going to rest on the fact that there was a resting period for the pretty much for the entire league with things that happen in terms of the suspension of the season. But I think the thing that needs to take, be taken into consideration for this, and you can actually point at the Clippers who were the title favorites as the poster childs for this. I think we learned in these playoffs that resting and load management really is a danger to championship aspirations more than people assumed. Everybody thought, that Kawhi Leonard doing that for the Toronto Raptors would create a new narrative as in, um, in regards to how to manage a superstar moving forward. But that was in the Eastern Conference on a team that was already relatively established and pretty much just dropped one player in that put them over the top. Now, you could say similar things about the Clippers, but to a lesser degree because of the fact that there were still chemistry issues. There were still a lot of things in terms of the adaptation of being able to bring in not one star like Kawhi Leonard by himself, but two by bringing in Paul George, who also was involved. Those the load management and rest hurt that team. That also had a lot to do with the fact of why we didn't see Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell early on. Montrezl Harrell basically, besides not electing to come to the bubble initially, he basically was played off of the floor because he didn't even play in the seeding games and he was out of shape, let's be honest. So yes, it gave you three to four months to rest, but it also gave them three to four months to lose focus on the goal. And the team that won the championship was able to rise above even that. So I think the biggest thing with this year is this shows the mental and kind of intestinal fortitude that it takes for any NBA team to really lock down and win a championship. We kind of saw the ins and outs of what a championship team needs on a year-to-year basis, which is something we don't typically see because under normal circumstances, you can ride the high of you have the crowd involved and the bench players play up to what they need to do, or you get to uh, ride the high of not having to travel nearly as much because of the fact that you may have home court advantage and that allows you to take the first two games off by riding off, you know, your environment as a way of being able to do things. There's also the fact of just being, you know, a true unit. I mean, basically, we saw an NBA playoff, an NBA format in general that almost kind of was AAU-esque. And although the style of play may not have looked like that, eh, it was to a certain extent. But for the most part, it brought out the true camaraderie, not only in just the teams individually, but as a league. We saw a lot of things in this, this stretch that we never thought we would ever really see amongst a sports conglomerate, even if it's the NBA. We saw social injustice unity um, around the, uh, the negativities that we've seen in our country over the last couple of months. We've seen a lot of players bonding over the battles that they've shared, primarily pointing to guys like Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell, who I see, I see that as a rivalry brewing, and I don't know if we necessarily would have seen that 
type of thing, at least from an individual matchup standpoint, brew the way we saw it had they not been in the environment where it's all basketball all the time. And you also have to quote unquote, see that same rival every time you turn around the hallway for all, you know? So, I mean, I think that this championship individually, I won't go as far as saying like what Marcus Spears said to say that this championship really is worth two. I don't believe that at all. No championship is worth more than the ring that's on your finger. But at the same time, I feel as though the effort and the the mental strength that you had to have to be able to sustain your season and hold up this year is why we saw the upsets we saw. It's why we saw the outstanding play that we saw. And it's part of what helped the Lakers win the championship. I agree with all your points, but I can give you a couple other reasons why I love this season as much as I did. It brewed up storylines for next season. You mentioned Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, their battles in that playoff series. That's going to be something to look at in uh, next season. If the NBA did not provide additional teams, if there weren't additional teams included for the race to the eighth seed in the Western Conference, we may not have gotten to see Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and Devin Booker and Yusuf Nurkic perform at their best. The Phoenix Suns and the Portland Trailblazers are going to be two teams to watch out for. If you're thinking about where teams go from here, there's even more storylines being brewed considering that Golden State wasn't even in the conversation. Yeah, man. I mean, pretty much looking at it, I feel as though there's a lot of circumstances where you can lean on the fact that next year, man, next year the pot looks crazy hot. Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie, Golden State coming back at full strength and may also potentially have the first round overall, the, the first overall pick of the 2020 draft involved. Um, Obviously, I feel like the Clippers are going to come back with a different mindset, starting with the fact that now they're going to have a different voice with Doc Rivers now out. Um, I mean, yeah, you you have a lot brewing, honestly, with the storylines aspect of this because of the fact that the, just the way this year went in its own right stirs the pot even more for next season and the fact that there's a lot of teams that we didn't get to see in the mix. I mean, Memphis was a team that was in the playoffs before the bubble had started. The Phoenix Suns proved to us in the bubble that they might be a more dangerous team than we felt they were. The Portland Trailblazers, to a certain extent, proved to us that when healthy, they are a top team in the West. And I think their their push to the playoffs is what watered them down. Not to say that necessarily would have led to them defeating the Lakers in the first round, but I do feel as though the fact that they were that had that kind of heart to even push themselves to get into the playoffs show that they have the caliber as a healthy unit to contend in the Western Conference. So there's a lot of things that we saw in the playoffs. There's a lot of things we saw in the bubble and a lot of teams we missed in these playoffs that come next year, it is going to make, make everything look really crazy. And Ryan, the most important thing, almost all the teams that we're going to see next year are going to be the exact same which makes it so crazy because the free agency pool isn't that dynamic. There's a couple players here and there like Fred Van Vliet, Montrez Harrell, guys like that that are kind of floating amongst. DeMar DeRozan is a guy who may or may not pick up his player option for San Antonio. But for the most part, across the course of the league, 
all the teams are going to look the same, but there's going to be a couple of guys who are going to pop back up out the woodworks, the Steph Currys, the Klay Thompsons, the Kevin Durants, who even Blake Griffin for the Detroit Pistons, who are all going to make next year's season that much more exciting when we're talking about building up off of what we saw this year, bubble or no bubble. I have to say, and I, it's, it's just, it, it's insane because if you thought this year was competitive, wait till next year. This, this is going to be, if we, if we think that this past season was great, next season is going to be even better because LeBron and the Lakers are the defending champions. They have to battle through Golden State. They have to go through all the teams that were great this year, including new ones like Phoenix and Portland. And the fact is that there's some young dynamic teams with Dallas and Memphis who will most likely make the playoffs. But then you look at the East, which is now made more competitive by Miami being as good as they are. Brooklyn with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And then, of course, Boston, Toronto, and Milwaukee. The real question is, and I have to bring this up because there's a chance that it may happen. If Miami is able to trade away, Miami is able to complete a deal to get Giannis Antetokounmpo from Milwaukee. I have to, I have to factor in that there's a chance that Miami may be the best team next season, which is why I think they're going to run it back. If they are able to get Giannis, there's a chance they can run it back. If they're able to stock up on free agency, if they get a guy like Fred Van Vliet and may, after losing maybe a guy like Goran Dragic, I think this team will be even better next year considering that Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, who were rookies, know the system and they can play well now. I have to ask you this question before we go. Does this close the gap for LeBron James in chasing Jordan for his sixth ring? Personally, I feel like it moves the needle. Um, I'm the type that kind of is held very, a very close, very tight grip on Jordan being the GOAT for a long time. Um, it's always kind of a personal decision type of thing when it comes to these type of debates. You have your guy, I have my guy. That's kind of how these debates go. Personally, I feel like for me, in my grip on believing that Jordan is the GOAT, I think it's shortened the gap. But I mean, LeBron James has just put himself in a position where he still, to me, feels like he's relying on the longevity aspect of this debate. I think Max Kellerman brought, brought this up on first take earlier in the day, and I think this is probably a better debate, honestly, is from a career standpoint, from a full body of work standpoint, did LeBron James have a better career than a guy like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had a very significantly long basketball career, spanning all the way back to when he was high in high school and even at UCLA, where he essentially led to the rules being changed in the NCAA, where you couldn't even dunk because he was so dominant. So I think that's more of the ilk that LeBron James is in now, is more of the debate as to whose longevity-based career was better but in terms of the goat ryan you made a good point off off camera and i feel like it's one to be brought up into this six for six versus four out of ten it's 
it's pretty rough to be able to kind of scale those scale those two things next to each other. And although some may believe that a going to the finals ten times is better than being a guy like, you know, being a guy who maybe makes the finals once or doesn't make the finals at all. Talking about guys like maybe either Charles Barkley, Steve Nash, Allen Iverson. But then there's other people that believe that making the finals 10 times means just as much as making the finals six times, because at the end of the day, it's the journey of getting there less than it is necessarily either not getting there or winning the whole thing. Sometimes it's just the amount of times you get to the dance that matters a little bit more than winning it. I can't really say that I lean in that category. I still feel as though the winning aspect of it is what matters the most and I don't think losing should hurt you but I sure as heck don't think that just making it should help you either so I think it's closed the gap but I don't think it's moved the needle enough to put him above by any means I have to tend to agree with you and it's basically for the point that I brought up off camera which was LeBron is four of ten the finals Michael Jordan was perfect in the finals Kobe Bryant was five of seven in the finals. If you're basing it on a finals record, this doesn't move him any closer. And the fact is, there's a chance he doesn't even win another championship. I don't think he's ever going to win another championship because of how competitive the league is getting. If you think about who he's going to have to go through in the Western Conference, like I said earlier, Golden State is back. Denver is, is going to be a problem. Houston may be a problem. I think if you count the fact that there's still the Clippers, the Suns are emerging, the Blazers are still a problem, there's a lot of teams that he is going to have to go through. And the fact is, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that with this team, considering that Anthony Davis is a free agent. If they're able to re-sign Anthony Davis, I think they have a chance. But LeBron, I think, knows that if he doesn't get Anthony Davis back, there's a chance he doesn't win another championship. And I think that in that case, you know, if he, if he wins a, if he wins his fifth championship, I would consider it. It's pretty close. Yeah. I mean, like you said before, the road is going to be difficult. Um, I'm not worried about them being able to bring Anthony Davis back. I think after winning a championship, that should be all the, uh, the proof that AD needs um, to know that he, if he stays with the Los Angeles Lakers, he's in a good position, at least over the course of the next two to three years, to always be in the championship hunt, which is not something he could say back when he was in New Orleans. Um, but I don't think it changes your point at all. I think no matter what, he's about to go through a gauntlet. And I know that we said that this year, but there were a couple of things that we weren't able to factor in this year. Not that I'm sliding the asterisks in, and I still don't believe that's the case. But in terms of the, the, the type of arsenal that he would have to go through next year, I think the top guys that you can list off, you already named off a couple of them and guys like uh, teams like Golden State, obviously the Clippers regrouping, the Denver Nuggets, Houston with a different coach. I mean, the young guns are the young guns. Dallas is a team that we haven't talked about enough, honestly, since their playoff run, but they are going to be a team I think we're going to talk about a lot in the offseason in terms of their progression. Um, yeah, Ryan, let's just – I'm just going to put it at this, bro. We – for just as a sneak peek for you guys, we're doing a way-too-early 
NBA power rankings of the top 10 teams that we think are going to be atop the league going into the 2021 season. Bleacher Report actually just released theirs not even five minutes ago from when we recorded this. I think we are going to have a very interesting order between the two of us for that episode. So stay tuned on that because we've been talking about the gauntlet LeBron James is going to have to go through next year coming off of this championship. And the fact that now the target's going to be on the back of the Lakers as the defending champs, it's going to be really interesting to see how we both choose to rank the teams, considering it's a lot of different storylines and a lot of different players that are going to be reemerging in 2021. So it's going to be cool. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans. Does this championship for LeBron James move the needle in the GOAT debate? Leave a comment down below. We just uploaded our first post onto our Hoop Talk podcast Instagram. So go ahead and follow us at the Hoop Talk pod. This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get our podcasts. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace. Check, check, check.